Uh, good to see you all this morning, and uh, welcome to the third Sunday of Advent. Here in a moment, we'll open our Bibles to Psalm 30. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one off the side of the tech booth back there, or if you're a user of the Bible app, you can find um, our live event right now and track along with the scriptures and sermon notes. Uh, there's other info in there. There's a form to, uh, if you're a guest with us, you can fill that out. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to write the other stuff down, um, there's a link to giving, all of that kind of stuff you can uh, all make happen there. Uh, <clears throat> like I said, third Sunday of Advent, and the third Sunday is the Sunday uh, of joy, uh, which will be the um, focus today. And um, bef- we, we, if you've never been a part of Advent celebrations before, uh, this is our 10th year of, of doing Advent here at our, um, as a part of our church family and as a part of our worship experiences uh, in the four Sundays leading up to Christmas time, we kind of put everything else on pause to focus on the four themes of Advent, hope, peace, joy, and love, those four themes. And because we're pausing to focus on those things, uh, we want to take, we kind of use this uh, set of candles over here as a, a, a visible representation of reminder, if you will, a prompt um, to remember what these things are about. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the candle of hope. Um, and how we, because of who God is and what he has done, we get to hope, the Bible says, in his name and in his steadfast love. It is not a love that is wishy-washy. It is not a love that is um, in parts or pieces. It is a steadfast, solid love. And then we get to, uh, last week we lit the candle of peace, talking about how God um, gives peace to his people, and he speaks peace to his people, even if they come broken, even if they come hurting, even if they come uh, sinful and shamed, uh, because they are his kids, he speaks peace to them because he desires wholeness for them. And today, we light the candle of joy. Now, many would ask at this point, why is the candle of joy pink? I will say this, there's about five good working theories. I don't know what the answer actually is. I actually had somebody come up to me between uh, services and say, oh, I got the answer. Here it is. And I said, you found that on Wikipedia, right? And it's true. So uh, it's pink for some reason, all right? And we'll just leave it as pink. That's joy. Um, So here's what I want to do before we read the scriptures together in Psalm 30. Uh, I want to have a moment where we pray. And if you need to bring anything before the Father, this is that moment. uh, And we'll ask for God's help in, in understanding his word together. Shall we do that together? Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for a few minutes here where we gather and your word is open in front of us. And some of us came in limping today and some of us came in full stride. Uh, Some of us came in dry, weary. Uh, Some of us came in very full No matter how we come today, Father, I pray that you would meet us and the joy of the Lord would be our strength. So we, your people, are here. Father, your children have gathered. Would you speak to us as a gathered people? Lord Jesus, would you come and by your Spirit, would you communicate to us what we need? Not just what we want, but what we need. That's what we want more than anything. And um, As we think about and, and uh, get a sense of your activity in our lives, may our response be joy. And we ask this now 
in Christ's name and for the sake of his kingdom. Everybody said amen, amen, and amen. Okay, so Psalm 30. He says, I will extol you, O Lord. Anybody use the word extol this week in a sentence on a crossword puzzle? Words with friends, anything? Nobody? Okay. I will extol you. The word maybe uh, could also be translated exalt. Okay? So it's lifting up. I will exalt you, O Lord. Extol you, O Lord. For you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. That's the place of the dead. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. Then you hid my, excuse me, then you hid your face and I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry. And to the Lord, I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. That for this for for this reason, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. That's good, isn't it? Psalm thirty. I just I think that's good. So I give you a a couple of uh, moments here where you. Maybe get your head turning a little bit around joy. Anybody remember, uh, I mean, I thought about three or four of these, the, the Chilean miners when they got trapped, uh, the kids in, uh, um, uh, who got trapped in the cave, uh, if you are old enough, baby Jessica when she fell down the well in West Texas, um, you know, and you had this moment where the entire world was kind of focused on a, on a thing, uh, and then when deliverance happened, uh, the whole world, what was the response? rejoiced, right? That, that's, the, that's the idea. And so there, there's this um, sense in which, uh, you know, people around kind of watching, and then uh, th- this, this movement happens, and then joy is the response. And that's, that's a pretty normal rhythm for people, and a good thing. So uh, now let's, let's bring that down to you personally, to me personally. Maybe you've had a moment where you have felt like you've been in a pretty bad spot and somehow been delivered or been set free from that. Maybe it's a long time ago. Maybe it's a short time ago. Maybe it's, you know, just raw to you. But nonetheless, your sense of it is joy. I just, a biographical story here. You ready? When I was in like kindergarten, first grade, maybe even a year or two after that, I got called out of class a lot. Now, why are you laughing? That is not very nice. You're going to feel guilty when I tell you why. Because it wasn't for the reason that y'all just sniggered about. A bunch of sinners. I got called out of class to go see a speech therapist. Because for the first several years of my education, I had a significant stuttering problem. 
Uh-huh, now, all of you. Yeah, that's why the Bible says, be kind to your enemies, but in doing so, you heap burning coals upon their head. That's what just happened here. I mean, that may be a little bit of an overstatement, but nonetheless. So, I, no, no kidding. I, I was, the I, first several years of my education, uh, I was a, had a significant stuttering problem. And, uh, you know, several years of speech therapy kind of worked that out. And so I just, I think back to kind of those moments and how weird it was and how, you know, it made me feel weird and everybody else. And I think about that. And then I think about where I'm standing in this moment right here and what I'm doing. And that's very personal for me. To say there, there was this moment where the activity of God in my life so worked and moved that today I'm standing up doing what I do in joy, knowing where I came from. For, for some of you, you have stories a lot like that. And again, maybe it's not 40 years ago like it is with me. Maybe it's 40 minutes ago where God has so moved in your life that your response is joy. Or maybe it's four weeks or four years, but nonetheless, you can see it. And so whether you have watched from the outside to this moment to say, oh man, look at what has happened. This is a moment for rejoicing in the, deliver in the deliverance of somebody else. Or whether you have personalized it, internalized it, held on to it by yourself um, and because we, and say so God has been at work in my life when the activity of God happens in our life and he and he brings deliverance for you and for me the normal response is joy and so today Psalm 30 helps us I think draw from this well of deliverance David's going to talk about four different areas um, in life that that God delivered him we'll see if this rings true for anybody else, but it's a well that you draw from such that you have this sense of joy. So where do we start? Verse one, I will extol or exalt, O Lord, uh, exalt you, O Lord, uh, for you have drawn me up. Now, if he has been drawn up, where was he? He was down. And specifically, the language here is, I was in a hole. You've pulled me out of the hole. Anybody ever been in a hole before? It's deep, and it's dark, and it's lonely, it's depressing, you feel helpless, you've had all of this stuff um, come down on you, and you, um, I mean, can we just, like, whether it's emotionally or spiritually or even sometimes physically claustrophobic, you have this sense like everything is closing in on you. And this is what David, this is how David leads. This is what he leads with here. I exalt you. I extol you. I lift you up, God, because why? Because you have pulled me out of the hole. Church family, there are people in here who have holes worth of experience. <laughs> People who have been drawn up over and over and over again from any number of things, any different number of things, any variety of things. And if we, if we hit pause and let you tell a story and you tell a story and you back there, y'all tell a story and over there you tell a story, we would have this sense that God has been at work delivering his people. Here's what I want to tell you today. If you walked in here in a hole, guess what? God is in the excavation business. He wants to deliver his people. And I think he... Example here in David's life, example in many other people in his life. Um, uh, this dark, lonely, depressing, hopeless, helpless place called a hole. That's a good place to start drawing from this deliverance from a hole. 
Now, in David's particular case, some, some holes are circumstantial where you're walking along and either you don't see it and you fall in. Uh, some, sometimes you get pushed in. You got a big brother, push you in. Uh, uh, so, sometimes in David's particular case, that wasn't, that wasn't it. I mean, it's bad enough when you fall in a hole or you get pushed in a hole. It's even worse when you put yourself in the hole. That's what happened to David. Um, verses 6 and 7 actually explain verse 1. So skip down to verse 6 and 7. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. Verse 7 by your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. So just, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. What does that sound like? That sounds like you're about to get moved. That's what that sounds like. I, by your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain strong. I changed my my, uh, my profile to a picture of Everest, right? I mean, just call me Everest. That's what he's saying. And then what happens? You hid your face, and I was dismayed. David mistook the gifts of God for gods themselves. He, he, um, was, he had contentment at one point, and he grew cocky. Anybody ever have that happen? You know a guy, right, or a girl that this happened to? Where the, the, the prosperity that he experienced was its own danger to David because he let that take root in his heart instead of consistently uh, uh, giving God the glory that he deserved. So David, and by the way, can we just put pause on this little parentheses? Hey, you want to stay out of that particular hole? Be grateful. Practice, this is not a Thanksgiving sermon, but practice consistent gratitude. Why? Because consistent gratitude fights entitlement and anxiety and all the other things that go along with prosperity. Just practice gratitude. We are deserving of nothing. We deserve hell. Everything else is gravy. Yes? As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. That's just pride. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. And then you hid your face. And I was dismayed. By his own attitude, his own pride, um, he, he, he put himself in this hole. But yet, what does verse 1 say? I will exalt you, extol you, O Lord. You have drawn me up. David's heart was turned away from God, and then it turned back to God, and, and God rescued him. And that, is, that is a good source that is a good, uh, a good well, if you will, to, to draw from. Some of you, that's your story. Hey, listen, I've got enough mistakes in my past. I've got enough miles on my tire where, tires where I say, hey, I have, I have, I have blown it before. I, I have made gods out of things that should not be gods, that were gifts, and I made them gods. And guess what? It put me in a hole. But, but when I repented, God delivered me from that. There's, there's more. Verse 1 again, second part of verse 1. Exalt you, O Lord, you've drawn me up, gotten me out of this hole. Verse, in this, this next little part. And you've not let my foes rejoice over me. Anybody have anybody, does anyone in here have anybody in their lives that you're pretty convinced that if things went bad for you, they would be happy about it? That's, that was David's thing. You don't let my foes rejoice over me. 
the, the naysayers in David's life got quieted. Why? Because through this deliverance, um, the, 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 uh, those who would rejoice at David's demise were silenced. So it is with us. And maybe I, I wrote a few things down, but just see if these sound anywhere close to familiar. I told you you'd never amount to anything, and I was right. Or this one. You're weird. And we both know it. And that's why you're in the spot that you're in. Or this one. Well, at least I don't have that struggle. Or at least my kids don't have that struggle. one of the ones that makes me most frustrated personally, if you were a good Christian, your emotional issues would just go away. Yeah, because we don't have a whole book called the Psalms of people reckoning with their emotions before God. By the way, the deacons will bail you out of jail if you punch somebody for saying that, okay? I just want you to know. Number five, if, 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 the, if the company or the group, or whatever, was really behind you, they would have greenlit your project, or your promotion, or whatever. If you were, kind of the catch-all, if you were smarter, if you just would have listened, if you were more capable, and then fill in the blank with whatever. Anybody have those kind of voices in your life? Any of them going to show up at Christmas? Real talk, people. David's real. You delivered me from this hole, God, and in the middle of doing so, you silenced the voice, the voices of those who would rejoice over my downfall. Now listen, it, it's bad enough, again, when those voices show up at Christmas. Um, but here's the thing. You have no greater enemy with, with, who has a stronger voice of accusation and condemnation than Satan himself. That's what the Bible says. The Bible even goes on to call him the accuser of the brothers and the sisters. So, I mean, it may come at you in human form, but let's not play that this is just a human problem. It is a spiritual dynamic at work of the enemy coming after you. Good news, God is in the business of not only excavating you from a hole, but in doing so, silencing the voice of those who would rejoice at your demise. Deliverance from the scorn of enemies. Thirdly, verse 2, O Lord God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. If, if deliverance brings joy, and, and, and we draw from these expressions of deliverance, deliverance from a whole, deliverance from the scorn, particularly the scorn of the enemies, what about illness? God delivers us from illness. Oh Lord, my God, I cried to you for help. You've healed me. Um, I, I say this in, as somebody who, because of the, my kids, I, listen, I am so grateful for modern medicine. So grateful. And, and, in the exact same breath I say, and God is our best hope in that moment right there. And sometimes deliverance from illness looks like complete healing. Who's on board for that right there? Let's just be good for that. Let's, let's pray big and ask God for big things so that big things happen. And, again, same exact breath, sometimes God's 
uh, deliverance from illness looks like complete healing. Sometimes it looks like, hey, listen, let's give you enough strength to take the next step. Let's give you enough strength to, to step out and serve in this way. Let's give you just enough strength to walk this path on this day in this moment with these people. Just enough strength for that. And listen, both of those are the activities of God. While we might love for God to just bring complete healing, there are times when His sustaining grace is actually a greater testimony to His love for His people. Either way, He's delivering you. And either way, it's a cause for joy. So we look to him. We draw from this well of deliverance. Whether it's this hole that we've been in or foes who are rejoicing over us or illness. Verse 3, finally, this fourth place, fourth expression. Oh Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. Again, the place of the dead. You restored me to life from among who, those who go down to the pit. So David has, he's painting this image here, and you may not be able to see it but from the English, but imagine there's this big long line here leading out to the door, and just on the other side of the door is the pit. It's Sheol. It's the place of the dead. Okay, So just out the door there is the place of the dead. And so you got this big long line, and people are just kind of filing in, filing in, and God steps in and, and into David's life, and he turns the light bulb on and says, hey, David, listen, this is the line that you're in. This is what's going on. This is You need to be interrupted here because look at the place where you're going, and David's going, oh, my gosh, I am in the line heading down to death, and yet God has stepped in, turned the light bulb on. I can now see what's happening. I now see what's going on, and God, in this moment, you know what I need more than anything? I need mercy. Would you save me? Don't just turn the light bulb on, but save me. That's what he says. Uh, again, just like 6 and 7, explain verse 1. 8 and 9, explain verse 3. To you, 8, 9 and 10 really. To you, O Lord, I cry. To the Lord, I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Do you think the dirt's going to worship? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. So he's deliverance from death. I say that because this, just like that was David's story, so it is our story. The Bible says that you and I were born spiritually dead, and we were in line headed towards an eternity separated from him. But God, thankfully, intervened in our lives, turned the light bulb on so that our response to him is, Lord, please have mercy on on me. Previously, I was in the dark. I didn't even know what was going on. You let me see. You, the Bible describes it as a veil that gets lifted from your eyes, a light that comes on, and we see such that we go, God, have mercy on me and save me. And you know what God does? Ah, eh. No, no. What's he do? He saves you. How did he do that? Through Jesus. He made you alive with Jesus and because of Jesus. He sent Jesus to the earth. Um, Christmas time, I mean, with all of this beauty, it is about a baby that has come. It is not some triumphal moment where he just rips the skies apart and rides in on a horse. That day is coming. Instead, he inserts himself into this story in order to tell a different kind of story. A baby comes who's the king. And he lives perfectly. And then instead of taking up a sword and destroying everything, he doesn't bear the sword. He bears a cross instead. 
Not to destroy, but to save people. For you and for me, that's our story. We weren't just delivered from from a, a moment of badness. We were delivered from death. An eternity separated from God. Jesus has stepped in to our world, just like David says, the Lord stepped in his. So this is what God has done. This is the well from which it is all of our story. And can we just can we have a moment here where we just say this, church? Like, let's not get over that. I mean, let's not move past that. Let's not pretend that that's, that's one plus one equals two, and then we kind of grow from there. No, no. Let's go deeper into that instead. Let's remember always consistently that we were set against God, and yet God rescued us. We were spiritually dead, and God made us alive. Let's remember that. God's in the business of delivering us from holes and scorn and illnesses and death. And then what is our response? Well, deliverance generates joy. And what, what does that look like? Verse 1, again, I will extol you or exalt you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up. I would say it may be something like this. Because God has lifted us up, we lift him up. So we lift him up with our praise. Why? Because God has done this for us. We lift him up because he has lifted us up. I, I, that, that's an important thing to, to um, uh, kind of let out, if you will, and, and remember why. Because there are moments when um, uh, this week uh, you will get squeezed, you will get pressed, you will get pushed a little bit. And what I'm praying for you, what I'm praying for me, is that whenever that happens, however it happens, that there's a sense of joy that comes out of us. Why? Joy comes out. Why? Because Jesus has entered into us, into our story, into our lives, and taken over so that we get it. We get it that we can live for him even in the hardest moments, even in the toughest moments, even in the holes or illnesses or whatever parts of our life. We get it that we can exalt God. We can still lift him up. Why? Because he has lifted us up. We start there. Deliverance generates joy. Secondly, verse 4, sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. Why? For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Some of you are in situations right now and you're thinking to yourself, I think God might be frustrated with me. What do you think? My answer is, I don't know. He may be. Y'all may not be on speaking terms right now. I don't know every nuance of your circumstance. I do know his character. What's his character like? His anger is but for a moment. but His favor is for a Weeping may tarry for the night, verse 5. And there's, there is typically a night. There is a darkness. There is a loneliness. There is a, am I going to make it through this? Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy, joy comes with the morning. So the deliverance, as he lifts us up, we lift him up. As we remember who he is, anger's but for a moment, joy excuse me, but his favors for a lifetime, weeping for the night, joy comes in the morning. As we remember who he is, what do we do? We rejoice. And then finally, verse 11. You've turned for me my mourning into dancing. You've loosed my sackcloth, that, that garment that represented repentance and lamenting. Um, you've loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness 
To what end? That, verse 12, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. Oh Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. So not only remember who he is and, and rejoice, but also we remember what he has done. What has he done? Well, you've turned my mourning into dancing. When God delivers us, church family, there ought to be something that kind of breaks loose in us. Now, for some of us who grew up in more traditional churches, that may make you a little bit nervous. I'm offering, though, that Baptists every so often could tap their toes and it'd be okay. Mourning into dancing. The, instead of the, the sackcloth, the, the, the garment of repentance and lamenting, you've clothed me with gladness. To what end? That I may sing. That we, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. Because it's in us. Because we remember... Um, how we were down and how God exalted, lifted us up because we remember who He is and what He's like, His character, and because what of what God has done, what happens in us? Something comes barreling out of us and we sing and not we sing your praise and are not silent. We give thanks forever and ever. I'll just give you a couple of implications for the church, okay? Remember who He is, remember what He's done, and I think here's the implications. Number one, um, the greater, or excuse me, the deeper the hole, the greater the joy. And some of you have been in some pretty deep holes. And what you don't want to do is try to stunt the response to God's deliverance in your life. No, man, let it out. <laughs> and if you see somebody who is rejoicing in that way, give them space to do that. And that leads to the second thing, the greater the joy, the higher the rate of infection. Joy is catching. It's contagious. And we've talked about this, I know, a lot this semester. I'm going to say it again. Like, you ought to sing loud. Like, you've got something in you, sing. Honk it off. Why? Because there's somebody down the row who may need that. There's somebody down the road that may catch it because of you. I sat this week uh, with a friend of mine. Uh, he had gone through some health stuff in his own life, some health stuff in his family. He said, uh, we've been praying through a lot, and he said, my soul's just dry, and things are not good, and just all these cracks in me, I just, it's going to, I'm not, I'm going to fall apart. I just, I don't know how I'm held together. We walked through that for the past, let's say, six months or so. We've been walking and walking through this and praying for him and one another in this, and then we're sitting at the Starbucks at 518 and Highway 3, and he starts talking to me about how God has delivered him and how God has delivered his family and how God has um, brought healing to that family member who was facing something significant and how God is... And he said, man, there came a point where all I wanted was out of the hole and then I broke and really all I wanted was to be very near God and him to be very near to me. And he said, and that was my moment of deliverance. And we're sitting in the corner... And I'm like, that's awesome, man. That's fantastic. And his joy over God's deliverance in his life brought such joy to me. We're having church in the corner there over coffee. And I want you to know that like, that's true in some of your lives. Like you've got stories to tell of how God has delivered you and how he's worked and how he's seen you through illness or, or death or some hole that you were in or how he's delivered you from somebody who would speak and try to have the final word over your life. You've got that story to tell, church family, so tell it. 
and let it come out when you sing and let it come out in your groups as you sit and visit. And when you have your Christmas party, tell the story. Eat your little sugar-coated cookie that's, you know, going to give you all of that. Eat all of that over this story that says, this is how God has delivered me. And then watch the joy spread. Watch it be contagious. For, for some, Christmas time can be really, really down. That's true. And for some, time, for some, it can be superficially happy. I want us as a church family to be marked by joy. Something utterly different than both of those things. And the way we do that, Psalm 30 is helping us. The way we do that, we remember God's deliverance in our lives. Let me pray for us. We'll have just a quiet moment here, and then we'll be dismissed.